one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsblog 20 podcast series in which we celebrate 20 years of Arsblog by talking to a guest about a calendar year of the site's existence between 2002 and 2022. In this episode, we are talking 2010 or 2010. I don't know what the convention is still, but we're gone beyond those years now, so it doesn't matter. My guest from the Gooner Talk TV is Tom Canton. Hello, Tom. Hey, mate. How are you? You good? I'm very well. Thank you very much. So... 2010. How much do you remember of it, uh, you know, before you went back to have a look at things? How much of this season lived in your memory? Very, very little. And I mean, from going back and looking back over the year, there's very good reason why very, very little (laughs) sticks in my mind about 2010. Um, I was only 16, uh, not to make some of the older listeners feel uh, exceptionally old, but I was only 16 in 2010. And it Mm. was... I suppose 16 was kind of the the age in which I started to really, you know, not take an interest in Arsenal at all because I've been an Arsenal home for years. But when Mm. you kind of hit those that age, you then start to get really, really involved. You hit that adolescence, you hit... And social media as well was just kind of starting too. So there was even more reason to to talk to fellow supporters online. And 2010 was was a classic Arsenal year of the time, to be honest. So look, what is the what is the first incident, the first thing of note that you have picked from 2010? It was really difficult to kind of pick individual, say, matches or moments. So I've mm. kind of gone for individual circumstances, if you will. So sure. the first one's kind of the 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 0910 Champions League ends and kind of the rise and fall of the hope of a goal that scored by Samir Nasri against Porto, which was a hell of a strike after a mazy run, and then just being hammered into the ground, as we were, by Lionel Messi at the camp now. And that was practically our, our 2010 Champions League run. Yeah, it was It was uh, a home game first that we mm. drew 2-2 with Barcelona that year, if I remember correctly. And uh, a certain Cesc Fabregas, who, you know, at, at that point was being linked with Barcelona all the time, um scored a penalty with a broken leg. Yeah. Which is... It was one of those where he realises, doesn't he? He realises he's he's done something wrong and he just kind of jogs on his... Oh, Mm. oh no, something is dreadfully wrong here. I mean, thankfully, he was suspended for the second. I say thankfully, but thankfully for his health, he was Mm. suspended for the second leg. But uh, yeah, Carlos Puleo got sent off as well at the end of the game to kind of give Arsenal a bit of hope too. And it was the first game that Thierry Henry returned as a a Barcelona player. And I think he made a a very small cameo and didn't really do much in the first leg. Didn't even play in the second leg. He got off the bench, yeah. yeah, Lionel Messi lit up the well, game now in the, in the away league. Yeah, I, I was there for that particular game. And I remember we took the lead. Nicholas Bentner, uh, of all people in the camp now, scored the first goal. And I don't think the Arsenal fans had even finished 
celebrating that goal before Lionel Messi hit back. And, you know, I, I have to say, like, as a football fan, I'm I'm loath to give credit to the opposition at any point, uh, regardless of who they are. There are levels of enmity, aren't there? Whether you're playing Tottenham, it's obviously very high. If you're playing somebody like, I don't know, uh, think of a team that's quite a Norwich. You know, you're not quite as <laughs> nice annoyed with Norwich. Yeah, and they're, you know, I still want to beat them. And they're, you know, I'm not inviting them to any parties or anything like that. But I have to say, on that night, on an individual level, Lionel Messi was just unbelievable. It seems a strange thing to say that I, I feel privilege to have watched him destroy Arsenal because we went down 4-1 on the night but to have witnessed him I mean was he even at his peak at that point I'm not even sure he was I'm not sure that was Messi at his peak it was him you know certainly blossoming and becoming the player that would just be so astonishing throughout the the 2010s but it was amazing to see. I mean, you could not, uh, you know, as a football fan, leaving aside my my allegiances to Arsenal, that night as a football fan, just watching Messi do what he did was just, it was remarkable, unbelievable. It was. And, it, I mean, it was the height of Barcelona's powers, really, under Pep Guardiola at that time. Mm. And, and they would go on to win, and Thierry Henry would win his, his Champions League that he always wanted to do mm. as well. But... When Arsenal are kind of given hope, I mean, just by just by that fact of it being Nicholas Bentner that scores that first goal, <laughs> yeah, to give you that hope, uh, just like if, if there's anyone that's going to lead a false dawn of Arsenal, it's going to be Nicholas Bentner. And just seeing what we then witnessed uh, with arguably the best player of all time turning on one of his best performances mm. uh, with uh, and the first strike. I mean, if anything, he, it was almost as if Bentner's goal had insulted Barcelona so much that he spanks <laughs> that ball harder than he's ever hit anything else oh in his I know I know and when yeah. you look back at the team that we had then you know there were some good players in it but there was a lot that you know when you look at it now to be in the Champions League Manuel Almunia was in goal Mikel Silvestre mm. started in central defence for us Denilson was in midfield Nicholas Bentner started up front the bench that night had Armand Traore Saul Campbell an older yeah much um, slower He's, Saul Campbell. He scored against Porto as well. He did, yeah. That we lost. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Fran Morita, Craig Eastmond. You know, I think we think sometimes of the squads that Arsene Wenger had as being, you know, these amazing squads. But he did a lot of good work with, um, yeah, some squads of players that today I think would struggle to get anywhere near the top four. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, when, when that ended, it obviously it kind of leads forward nicely into the next section because it left Arsenal with not really much to go for and it was very much focused on the league because things were going quite well in the league and we were doing really well. And mm. it was my next circumstance and a theme will become apparent where most of these circumstances aren't the most kind of enlightening for Arsenal fans in a positive aspect. Yeah. Um, but with, I mean, with five games to go, Arsenal were three points off the lead. And in those five games of an available 15 points, we picked up just four points. Um, mm. we, we lost to Spurs uh, frustratingly 2-1 at uh, White Hart Lane. We then lost to Wigan at Wigan 3-2, drew against Manchester City at home. And it was a game where I think it was the, the same season, obviously it would have been 2009 and the, the famous Adebayor celebration, but it was the return leg of that. We weren't even able to get our revenge on Adebayor yeah. doing that celebration. We then lost to Blackburn Rovers 2-1 on the penultimate day. Oh and goodness. obviously 
what happens with Arsenal is when all the pressure's off, is you rock up on the last day of the season with nothing to play for and you, you spank Fulham 4-0 is what you do. Uh, just to rub salt in the wounds, basically, at oh, that point. Oh, my goodness. Chris Samba scoring a goal that day for um, for Blackburn Rovers, a player who was linked with us uh, quite yeah. a lot yeah. in that period. And when you go through a period of having Sylvester at the centre of your defence, Chris Samba seems like a good idea, you know. Um, but, yeah, mm. I mean, that's a remarkable thing to consider, isn't it? Three points off the top and then have that that run. I mean, it's, it's reminiscent of the run that Unai Emery had towards the end of uh, his first season where... You know, I think we picked up one point from twelve um, against yeah. against Palace teams. Brighton, yeah, Palace, yeah. Brighton, Wolves, Leicester, maybe as well. And um, yeah, it is uh, yeah frustrating, but amazing to think that we were that close, even to the top of the table. If I remember, I think we finished third that year. We did. Yeah, we finished third on uh, it was uh, seventy five points, eleven points in the end of Chelsea. So I mean, if we win those last five games. Um, we would have been joint top. I don't think we'd have anywhere near Chelsea in terms of goal difference. No. They had a plus 71 goal difference compared to our plus wow. 42. But who knows? If Arsenal had kept the pressure up and kept those victories, maybe yeah. Chelsea could have fought it. So who knows? Maybe so. What's next? Next is arguably the most uh, stereotypical Arsenal transfer window of the late noughties and early 2010 period. Mm in which we finally said goodbye to Eduardo um, and in his place brought in Marouan Shamak, um, <laughs> which uh, for free, of course, from Bordeaux. That's yeah. a for free. Uh, we brought him in. Uh, we also brought in Lauren Koscielny, who obviously remained at the club for a long, long time, remained captain, and then decided to take his shirt off and reveal a Bordeaux shirt underneath. Ironically, the, the, the club that we signed Shamak from in the same window. So a nice full circle, if you will, yeah. of those two players. Uh, we signed Squilacci as well during that window which was great and uh, I mean we Arsenal love our players with lots of hype around them that never go on to do anything Wellington Silver and Ryu Miichi both joined oh Rio yeah my goodness my goodness the the way that we can invest ourselves in young players is really quite something I'm not sure I mean I don't know if any other club does it but I think we are the masters of taking a a young player and projecting a career onto him before we've ever even seen him play I do remember a lot of hype about Wellington Silva to be honest there was a lot of hype about this guy and at youth level um, I remember talking to somebody who was involved you know very with what went on at, at youth level on the training ground and stuff like that and, and people were people were talking about him in hushed tones about the ability that he had but he had look he never made it he had all these loan moves and, and uh, to various clubs in Spain it, it didn't work out and some of those signings, Shamak, I think we had been after him from the, the season before. There was talk we were going to sign him the season before but we waited we got him on a free Skrilacci one of those where I feel like, on paper, it should have been a pretty okay signing. You know, he was a, an experienced central defender, uh, came from Sevilla. He'd won European trophies there, uh, you know, an international for France. Um, and at the right age, when you're bringing someone like Koscielny in, who was only 23, 24 at the time, you're thinking, well, bring in this experienced guy. He should be okay. But it really didn't work for him. I remember an interview some years later where he basically said the way that Arsene Wenger sets up his teams, you know, it leaves central defenders 
really, really exposed. I think he ended up traumatized by a lack of protection and all the work that he had to do. Um, just one of those signings that, you know, when you look at it on paper, yeah, this should be okay. It was it was not okay. Um, no. And he will go down as, as, as is, I suppose, Shamak as well, as one of those signings that's just famous in Arsenal's mm. history but it was we when you think about the fact that that last circumstance and the fact that we were three points five games for the end of the season from winning possibly being in a title race and winning the league and that's the summer window that follows that, <laughs> yeah. like that of just Shamak, Squilacci and Koscielny like and Koscielny went on to do great for us of mm. course and, and and led to trophies and stuff like that but it is a frustration, I think, of Arsenal during that period where we never really capitalised on any momentum. And I think it's also the summer that pre preludes the summer afterwards, which obviously you'll discuss with the 2011 side of things where we, we saw a lot of players leave. But mm. it, it was a frustration, I think. But even despite that fact, Arsenal kicked on quite well. And I mean, my next game to look at in, in 2010 was beating Manchester City, who had just spent a ridiculous amount of money 3-0 at the Etihad. Was it called the Etihad then? But probably it was City and Manchester Stadium, I suppose. Back Could have been, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Boyata got sent off in the first five minutes. And yet still Man City looked like they were going to score first, even after Boyata getting sent off. That's eventually, yeah. yeah. Go on. That doesn't happen to us enough, does it? That, I mean, that really doesn't happen after enough where an <laughs> opponent gets sent off after five minutes. Mm. Because there's something glorious about that. Uh, you know, a player getting sent off at any time is great, but like really, really early in the game, it so rarely happens to us. And I feel like all the red cards we've had, we're, we're overdue one of those. Um, but yeah, if Samir Nasri that day, I think, played yeah. pretty well. Scored, Did he score a couple scored, of goals? Yeah, he got a great of Arshavin. Yeah. Um, and, and, then he, and then for the... Uh, Cesc Fabregas missed a penalty as well during that game at 1-0 up. Right. Um, I think... Vincent Company uncharacteristically taking out, I think it was Fabregas in the box. And I mean, when again, a lot of things going our way. Vincent Company giving away penalties, yeah. players getting sent off in the first five minutes. But I, I remember the line of com commentary. I think it was Jonathan Pierce on Match of the Day because it really stuck in my mind mm. thinking back to it. And he talks about for like for all their money, plucky Arsenal <laughs> have come to the city of and at this point plucky we were again Arsenal. still I know and at the end of that season I mean Man City I think finished in the Europa League the season before. So they were on their way up to you know trying mm. to get to where they wanted to be and Mancini was in charge and it was that moment of real changeover or threatened to be the changeover. Yeah. But it was almost a, a resistant Arsenal when Arsene Wenger was just turning around and going, no, not yet. Yeah, you, no, you're yeah. not taking this yet. Uh, that so, was, yeah. was that the year they brought in? I think it was the year that they brought in Yaya Toure, yeah. Carlos Tevez. Gareth Barry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they spent... Yeah, Silver, I think, joined the year before. Yeah, but it was a, still a hell of a team. Wayne Bridge, I think, came in too. Oh, yeah. ooh, Wayne Bridge. <laughs> Jesus, still haven't forgiven that guy. Um, yeah, we were talking about Koscielny at the start. Um he got sent off on his debut on the first game of the season, if I remember. He was um, right at the end of the game. Maybe yeah, it was the second Liverpool. yellow against Liverpool, and we just equalised, yeah. or did we equalise before then? Yeah, yeah, we did. We equalised right at the end. Shamak, I think, bundled in Pepe Reina on the line. Like, it was, it was like old-fashioned shoulder barge or something, yeah, wasn't it? Was it was just yeah. a Shamak-esque goal. <laughs> like the most fortunate finish, bundling over the gut of Pepe Reina. But yeah, because she only got two yellows within about three minutes, I think, mm. at the end of the game. It's 92nd and 95th or something like that. So, yeah, I mean... 
that ironically a little bit out of character I suppose because he was so consistent afterwards but as a prelude for the season you've got a lot of hype going to a Liverpool side that aren't at Mm. that time I mean weren't really considered that anywhere close to the Liverpool that we think of now Uh, you've come off the back of a a season where Mm. you need you know we're we're in a title race for much of the season and it starts off with a a drab draw which you've you know nicked a point away at Anfield which back then wasn't the the achievement that it would be now no 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 what did you make of Shamak he was he was okay when he came in because I think Van Persie had been out or was was out towards the start of that season he had a reasonable period where where he did okay I think um but once Van Persie got fit, and this was, I think, where it really began to click for Van Persie up front, you know, that, that period where he was just so, so good. Um, you know, he'd spent so many years in and out of the team and unable to build any rhythm, and that pretty much killed any hope of, of Shamak making it on a consistent basis at Arsenal. By the time Van Persie had left, Shamak was just so broken that there was no way forward. And, you know, we brought in, I think, Olivier Giroud, uh, which again put him down the pecking order. Podolsky came in as well. Same so, same. yeah, it just, just didn't quite work for Shamak, did it? No, and look, he came in with that classic kind of Arsene Wenger finding an unknown from France and mm. Moroccan international, I think, at that point too. But I mean, he wasn't young. I think he was like mid, was he mid to late 20s when we signed him? I don't think he was like, what? he might have been 25-ish, I think, when we signed him. Right. He wasn't like a young 20-year-old coming in with loads of potential. No, was exactly. a free transfer that we thought would come in and replace Eduardo until Van Persie got fit. But again... Van Persie is such a huge figure that you need someone with real clout to come in and, and mm. replace those goals. And yeah, he did start off fine. And I think he scored also in the North London derby that season as well. When uh, Was it? I think we lost 3-2 at home, actually. I think Kabul scored a really late oh, winner, yeah, which is was, horrible. Another we horrible were 2-0 up. We were 2-0 yeah, we up were. in that game. Yeah, I remember it. I was there for yeah. that one. Jesus, you're making me relive say, some. You gave me the worst year. <laughs> 2010 was just absolutely awful. Um, and I mean, I didn't even include that Spurs game because I was so downtrodden by looking at some of the other fixtures. Uh, and just as a as a spoiler, my last one when we come on to it, it, it's, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was Shamak again scoring in that. I think he got the second. I think he got the second goal in the game uh, against Spurs. Uh, but they just yeah came from behind. I think Gareth Bale scored with his right foot. That was when Bale was kind of up and coming in that forward mm. line after he transitioned from left back and uh, they're annoyingly good and I think that was back to back I think that was the only win at the Emirates for a long time for Spurs yeah. as well um, wasn't there a mad was was there a penalty given because yes they had a free and kick and it might have been Fabregas yeah, was, with a handball or somebody with a handball yeah. It was Fabregas. It was a strange one where you, the, it's just instinct, isn't it? Like he's yeah. raised his arm thinking, I don't know what he was yeah, thinking. Just but yeah, just to protect his face. Yeah. No VAR back then, but the ref spotted it clear as day. And yeah, I think Van der Vaart was the one that put the penalty away. Right. That was what, he was one of those players, Van der Vaart, that I, I kind of wished Arsenal would sign and you hate seeing players go to Spurs. And he was one of those. Mm. Um, frustratingly good. Yeah, annoyingly good. Yeah. I guess, but he's now forever tainted by being a Tottenham player. So, you know, this is the stigma that he has to live with for the rest of his days. (laughs) So what's next? Um, The the, the last kind of, again... the, the false hope that Arsenal gives you on the I've I've t- kind of titled this as the three days of the highs and lows of an Arsenal fan right because um, 
because on the 27th of December during the festive period we beat Chelsea at home 3-1 a Chelsea side that obviously had just won the title champions of the league at that point mm. Angelotti as manager and I think at this point we were only a few again still very much in up and amongst the teams at the top and then on the 29th just two days later we go to Wigan and draw 2-2 like (laughs) sorry to bring things so heavily down but uh, that that in itself during that period was very Arsenal I mean arguably still is now with the results that we're seeing Mm. great performance against Man City on New Year's Day the next league game we draw 0-0 at home to Burnley like it's it's 11 years later and we're still experiencing these these ridiculous kind of ups and downs of of Arsenal but yeah that Chelsea game was was great because I think we went 3-0 up and looking really strong I think Ivanovic got a, a, a kind of consolation goal but at a point where it still made things fairly nervy for us mm. with quite a amount of time left to go but it, again we just come back to that frustration of of dropping points in silly occasions. And that kind of epitomised, I think, 2010. We go back to that first moment of a great win over Porto in the Champions League at the start of the year to get absolutely battered and hammered into the ground by Barcelona. We end 2010 after a really positive result against Chelsea only to get our confidence battered yeah. by a 2-2 draw with Wigan. It, it, that kind of encapsulated Arsenal, I think, during that year, and that's what it was. Yeah, I mean... I remember that game well because there was talk of, you know, how we played that night. You know that thing we do where we play really well and we say, there's the blueprint. Mm. Do that. Do that more often because I think we were really high energy that night. Things came off. Walcott was buzzing around. You know, we looked threatening. Chelsea, of course, a really, really good team. And we played them off the park in that first half in particular. Um, I think you're right. The Ivanovic goal just made us a little bit nervous because it came around the hour mark. So still half an hour to go. But I remember, you know, at that time, yes, use this game and, and, you know, use this performance as a, a way of going forward. But yeah, unfortunately, it seemed to be a bit more of a, of a one-off. And then games like the, the Wigan one are, are really frustrating. And I think Squad actually scored an own goal in that game. Yeah, Wigan. there you go. It was all starting to go wrong for him at yeah. that point. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's one thing I, I, I want to bring up before we go, because it is one of the big moments of of 2010, and that is the, the Aaron Ramsey injury, which took place yeah. earlier in the year in, in late February when uh, we played Stoke, and Ryan Shawcross broke Aaron Ramsey's leg with a thunderous hoof of his fucking clumsy uh, legs. And, and look, he, he was sent off. And Ramsey, of course, was, was badly injured. And it was one of those horrible moments on the pitch where you know a player is, is very seriously injured and players couldn't look at it. TV cameras are saying, we're not going to show this because, you know, the replays could be too disturbing. And I remember... I think it was Glenn Whelan was the Stoke player who who actually uh, helped Ramsey and, you know, w- was with him a bit while um, he was obviously looking down at his leg in, in two pieces. But mm. I mention it because that was the third injury of that kind that had happened to Arsenal in the space of, of a couple of years because there was the, the Abu Dhabi one, Dan Smith, there was the Eduardo. Eduardo injury at Birmingham where Martin Taylor, uh, again, very similar kind of injury, that, that, that fracture where, yeah, you, you don't want to see a leg bend in that way. 
And I think it was a consequence of a lot of talk about Arsenal. You know, at that time, having having come out of the Invincibles era and gone into a more, I suppose, can you say technical? I'm not quite sure, but the the physical profile of the players changed because yeah. when when Arsenal were the Invincibles and those teams, right? They they were technically brilliant but they could also kick the shit out of you and they could look after themselves because they had Bergkamp and Vieira and, you know, Henri and Saul Campbell and Colo Toure and Lauren and these guys, these these men, these men who, who had physical presence. And then it changed after we moved to the Emirates and you have s- smaller, more technical players. So the Fabregas, Rosicki, Kleb, I know he wasn't there for 2010, um, Nasri, Danielson, you know, these guys who, who aren't quite the same. And during that period when people used to talk about Arsenal, well, they don't like it when when it's physical. They don't like it up and they don't like being kicked as if anyone likes being kicked. And I've never seen I've never seen a team, any single team, suffer three injuries like that in such close succession. I know there was a few years between all of them, but never since have I seen any team be subjected to the kind of physical assaults yeah. is the only way I can put it that result in injuries which A, wrecked Diaby's career, wrecked Eduardo's top-level career. And while it didn't wreck Ramsey's career, it certainly had a significant impact on, you know, the 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 ongoing injury issues that I think he had throughout his career where because of the the effect of the injury I think bits of him got thrown out of whack, you know, muscular yeah. issues and those kind of things. So a hamstring that might be three weeks for some players, if Ramsey did a hamstring, it could be two months or three months, you know? So I don't I don't mean to bring it up to traumatize anyone, but I do think it's worth discussing because of, like, like you say, 2010 wasn't a great year, but, but that particular um, injury, I think you know, was a red line moment for for a lot of Arsenal fans about how we were being treated and the way that the, the, the players were being, um, well, not protected by referees and officials. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the way that you go through that process of looking at the way in which Arsenal were targeted and, and we talked there about players moving from a physical stage to a technical stage. And I mean, Cesc Fabregas, for me, I always point to as the starting point of that because obviously came in, came through into that Invincibles team and he was the one that took over from Patrick Vieira. And I mean, mm. how many times do we talk back and think Arsenal have never replaced Patrick Vieira? Mm. And when you really think about it, it's because we did just with a very different type of player. Uh, and that then led into your Santi Cazorla's and, and so on that have, have come through to where we are now, where we've only really replaced, to- uh, I mean, Patrick Vieira with a player like Thomas Partey, for instance, who you would look at in more of the similar mould, who would carry the ball forwards, could be physical. But yeah, g- just getting back to, to that injury, it, it will, it's frustrating because it happens, as you say, to so many players in such a short space of time. And it's such a huge mental impact on a team. Mm. I mean, the Eduardo one always sticks out for me personally because of how the Arsenal players react on the pitch. And also, I suppose, with the Ramsey one, it was almost as if they'd been conditioned by that point to mm. know and, and been, oh, it's this again. We're going through this again. We know what happened last time. Yeah. Arguably, they didn't react as badly as they did during that season after the Eduardo injury, and that, yeah. you know it happened at a different point. But still, it's 
I think that when we when you think back to the words being used like cojones by Troy Troidini, mm. talk about that. And it's not really about that because football's about football. Like, yeah, you need physicality. Yeah, you need to be tough into tackles and stuff. But you go out there to try and win a game, not to hurt people. And that's what it came mm. across like when Arsenal were playing against people. Yeah, I think that's very true. And look, we, we don't want to finish this one necessarily on a, on a down note like this. So let, let me bring it this way, because that summer, Eduardo left. He went to Shakhtar Donetsk. So the consequence of his injury a couple of years earlier was that like he could never get back to the level where, where he needed to be to be uh, an elite Premier League striker. And, you know, I think he was showing signs before the injury that he was really going to be a good player for Arsenal. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, that that didn't happen. But he left that summer. Also, William Gallas, someone who reacted poorly when the Eduardo injury happened in the subsequent game at Birmingham, he left. Sylvester left. But that game, when Stoke were down to 10 men and Arsenal won it really, really late, um, I think there was a goal from Fabregas. I think it was a penalty. And then yeah. Thomas Vermalen scored a goal to, to seal the deal. And I always remember Sesk running back up the pitch. There was a moment where I think we were ahead. It was right in the closing stages. And I guess he was a bit frustrated. And he left one on one of the Stoke players. It was a it was a foul. It was an obvious foul. And I, maybe he got booked. I can't remember if he got booked or not. And Tony Pulis went absolutely crazy, crazy on the sidelines. And Fabregas just runs past him going, shh, yeah. just giving him the shush like he fucking deserved. And it was a great moment, uh, you know, to win the game, obviously in traumatic circumstances, but just to shut that guy up and his team up. And, and like, you know, it says it all about the way things like that were perceived back then, that, that Ramsey, when he would return to Stoke, was was some kind of villain because he didn't want to didn't want to take a phone call from Shawcross, so they would sing about him having his leg broken and, and all that kind of stuff. So on the night, um, despite the injury, we finished well, and uh, Tony Pulis was put back in his box a bit. So um, yeah, I think we can we can have a little smile at that a little bit, can we? Yeah, a very small victory. Yeah, very absolutely. very small. It just annoys us when you just go back to to Stoke and they would sing those songs about Ramsey. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. All right. Well, look, thank you uh, for taking the time to uh, dredge up all these terrible old memories for us, Tom. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thank no, you no. so much. It's, really it's great. That, it yeah. is what it is. Look, we can't do anything about history, only look back on it and, and maybe learn some lessons. And perhaps there are still a few lessons to learn, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Tom, thanks a million. No problem at all. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you to Tom. You can find him on Twitter at the Gooner Talk TV at the Gooner Talk TV. And that coincidentally, I think, is also the name of the YouTube channel where you can find him talking about Arsenal pretty much all the time. Right, that's that for 2010. And if you're listening to these in sequential order, coming up next, a year, well, one of the most contentious years on and off the pitch. We will be covering 2011 in the next episode. Join us for that one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.